Good morning, church family. Our scripture reading is going to be taken from the New Testament uh, Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 15. You'll find that on page 740 of your church Bibles, navy blue Bibles in front of you. And I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read verses 11 through 32. Luke chapter 15, page 740 in your church Bibles, verses 1 and 2, and then 11 through 32. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God. In the Vietnam War, Army Lieutenant Daniel Dawson's plane went down over the Viet Cong jungle. And when his brother Donald heard about what had happened and heard about the report, Donald sold everything he had in the States and used that to buy passage to Vietnam. And once there, he equipped himself with a soldier's gear and he wandered through the guerrilla-controlled jungle searching desperately for his brother. He carried leaflets which had pictures of the plane that had gone down and and he had information uh, written in Vietnamese describing the reward for any news of his uh, missing brother. And this story was recorded in Life magazine in 1965. And according to Life magazine, uh, Donald became known as Antoi Phi Kong. Antoi Phi Kong, the brother of the pilot. It's a very different story than what we read here in Luke chapter 15, isn't it? Very different story. Um, Jesus is gathering tax collectors and sinners and religious people, religious leaders, uh, his religious enemies, and they're not at all happy about the kind of company that Christ has been keeping. And so it is out of their grumbling and complaining that Jesus tells Three parables in Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and here, the parable of the lost son. And and when we read the parables, it's a good thing to ask, what's the parable doing? Not just what is the parable saying, but what is the parable doing? What's happening here? Uh, and, And what we see when we look at this parable, we're, we're, we're seeing that this parable reveals the heart of God, what God's like, His character, who He is, His grace, His love. And the parable's doing something else, too. The parable is also revealing our heart, what's true about us, what's true about our character. And here's the question of the morning. When God is generous to those whom I deem undeserving, how am I going to respond? That's the question. How will I respond? How will I react? What will I do when I see God's generosity to someone that I deem undeserving? Well, the parable teaches us, so let's just dive right in. Beginning with uh, verse uh, 25, the word 
Meanwhile, 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 uh, meanwhile what? Well, while the party was happening, while the meat was roasting, while the father was laughing, while the guests were eating and drinking, while the younger son was uh, shaking his head at the grace of it all. While all of this was going on, meanwhile, meanwhile what? Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. What was he doing? His job. What he'd always been doing. Showing up. Tending to his father's estate. Taking care of his father's business. Up early. Working through lunch. And now at the end of the day, It's time for him to go home. He's dusty, he's dirty, he's hot, he comes home. Here's the music. There's dancing going on. Finds one of the servants, literally one of the boys, one of the lads. Maybe it was just a a child in the village or maybe it was just one of the servant uh, boys. What's going on? What's happening? And, 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 the, and the child says, well, you're, 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 bro- don't, you're not on Facebook. Don't you know what's going on here? Your, your brother has come home, and your father is throwing a banquet, and there's feasting, and there's celebration that's happening. It, it's fascinating. It's wonderful. And, and you would have thought that an ice storm just blew through that field because the older brother becomes absolutely frigid and frozen. Frozen at the news and frozen in absolute rage of it all. Verse 28 says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father had to go out, see. He was angry. He refused to go in, which meant a which meant that someone was going to have to tell the father that he refused to go in, which meant that the father is going to have to stop there in the banquet and try to figure out what's going on, which means that all of the guests are going to overhear what the servant has to say to the father in terms of why the older brother refuses to go in, which means it's going to be really awkward because in that day, no son would refuse a banquet hosted by the father. That, that's just not being rude. It's mutiny. Absolute mutiny. In fact, culturally, when the father hosted a banquet, the eldest son, it was the eldest son's responsibility to be the chief table waiter, which means that the eldest son would take off of his shoes symbolizing that he was going to be a servant to all of the guests and make sure all of the drinks were filled. And one of those person's cups would be his younger brother. He's not going in. So the father comes out. Verse 29. Look, all of these years I've been slaving for you. And never disobeyed your order. You never gave me even a young goat. A young goat is about the tenth of the price of the fatted calf. All right. You never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But, 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 but when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fat calf for him. 
Can you hear what's going on? You love him more than you love me. You ever heard that? On Christmas Day? Little angels are opening up the Christmas gifts. One of those little angels is keeping score. And sees the inequity of it all. And pitches a fit. You love him more than you love me. Maybe it's not on Christmas Day. Maybe it's there in the office. Someone's worked 13 years and put in the time. They can do that job in their sleep. They can do their supervisor's job in their sleep. So when the supervisor's time to be replaced, you just are thinking, well, I'm just going to, you're going to be the next person to fill the shoes when the boss doesn't see it that way and hires some younger person with three years experience there. And can you hear it? Can you hear it? You love them more than you love me. It even happens in preacher land. A pastor stays at a church for a couple of decades. You know, a pastor's a healthy congregation, but numerically speaking, the growth is just pretty flat level. You know? A, a, A journeyman kind of pastor doing his job, putting in his time, but then some new church plant comes along and, 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 and this new church plant's got a red-hot drummer and a long-haired strummer and four years, four years later, I mean, that church skyrockets and doubles and it's the hot thing. And Can you hear that first pastor? You hear that prayer? You love them more than you love me. Isn't that true? Sometimes, sometimes God's people... I'm not talking about drug dealers here. I'm talking about God's people. I'm talking about us. Sometimes God's people resent God's generosity to those we deem undeserving. Resent it. Someone once wrote, resentment is when you let your hurt become hate. Resentment is when you allow what's eating you to eat you up. Resentment is when you poke and stoke and feed and fan the fire, stirring the flames and reliving the pain. Resentment is a deliberate, deliberate decision to nurse the offense until it becomes a full-blown, furry, growling grudge. Resentment. Sometimes God's people resent God's generosity to those we deem undeserving and that's what's going on. Why, now, why is that? Huh? Why is that? Well, well, you know, we didn't go off to the distant country. That's why. Right? You know, I stayed. I didn't bail when things got boring. I didn't disappoint mom and dad. I don't have a drug story. I don't have, I don't have a prison story. I don't have an adultery story. I don't drink or gamble or smoke or chew or sit in the back of the bus with those who do. I don't do any of that. I grew up in church. I like button-down collar shirts. 
I went to, yeah, amen. Can I get an amen? I got, I went to Bible college. I married a Christian. I mean, I just, you know, I've got tenure. I've got tenure. And there it is right there. There it is. When we say that in our hearts, and I'm telling you, it appears in our hearts long before it comes out of our mouth. When we say, I've got tenure, we enter elder brother airspace. And it causes us to stick our chest out and turn our nose up. And and our tongue starts talking down. And we get a, when we get, we get an acute case of Haman-itis. Remember Haman in Esther chapter 6? And we say to ourselves, well, who would the king rather honor than me? And you know who else we sound like? We, we, sound, we sound like the other parable of the lost sons. You know, Jesus told a different version of this parable. And it's right on the next page in Luke chapter 18. Take a look at Luke 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. See, and it's the, it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's the parable of the elder brother and the younger brother. And these two sons, these two brothers, go to the temple. Listen to the elder brother, the Pharisee. He got up and prayed about himself prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, right? There, can you hear that? I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get, right? I've got tenure. We resent God's goodness to someone we deem undeserving and, and that Resentment is fueled by pride. Confidence in my own righteousness. We feel the resentment because we have first felt the pride. And, uh, and listen to this. My name is Pride. I'm a cheater. I cheat you of your God-given destiny because you demand your way. I cheat you of contentment because you deserve better than this. I cheat you of knowledge because you already know it all. I cheat you of healing because you're too full of me to forgive. I cheat you of holiness because you refuse to admit when you're wrong. I cheat you of vision because you'd rather look in the mirror than out the window. I cheat you of genuine friendship because nobody's going to know the real you. I cheat you of love because real romance demands sacrifice. I cheat you of greatness in heaven because you refuse to wash someone else's feet on earth. I cheat you of God's glory because you're always looking out for your own. My name is Pride. I'm a cheater. You think, you think that that I'm always looking out for you, but that's not true. I'm looking to make a fool of you. God has so much for you, I admit, but don't worry. If you stick with me, you'll never know.
resentment, leads to pride, which leads to a distorted perspective of life. We put on the lens of pride and we just see a world that we, we, all we see is a twisted world. We see a twisted view of ourselves. You see this? This elder brother has, a, his pride has distorted his vision of himself. He thinks he's right. He thinks he's right and his brother's wrong and his dad's just too dumb to know the difference. And, 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 and it's so serious because, listen, Sick people who know that they're sick, you know, generally go to the doctor. Sick people who don't know they're sick, they don't go to the doctor. They just die. And that's what's happening to this elder brother. He's got a distorted view of himself, and his distorted view of himself has led to a distorted view of his father. Listen, every word Jesus tells in this parable is precisely chosen. And in verse 29, see, he never even addresses his father as, oh, father. I mean, this, is a, this is an honor society here. This is a patriarchal society. And all that the elder brother, he uses two pronouns, you and I. Look, you. Look, you. Look, all, I, all those years I've been slaving for you. He won't even address him as his father. And then he says, he doesn't say, this brother of mine, he says, this son of yours, this son of yours. Distorted view of his father. And that leads to a distorted view of his own motives. He's, he's accusing his brother of wanting to use the inheritance for his own purposes, you know? Well, what do you think he wants to do? He wants to have a, he wants to have a goat party with his friends. Oh, I see. I see you want me dead too? Is, is that it? Huh? So that, you can, so that you can just kind of burn through the herd of fatted calf? Is that so they're all gone? And, huh? and, and, and furthermore, he's got a distorted view of, of his family, you see. He says, oh, what would bring me joy? would just be have a goat party with my friends. Well, you see, now, you know, we read this as 21st century Americans and 20, in, in the environment of 21st century American parenting. And in our culture, we think, well, it's good for the kids that got to have space from their parents. Well, Jesus, Jesus was telling this parable to a first century village culture, a first century, it takes a village, patriarchal, familial, tribal community. And when there was a, when there was a banquet, I mean, it, it would be unthinkable not to invite your family. You see, his idea of heaven is having goat with his friends. Well, what about his dad? What about his family? Where's everybody else? He's written, them, he's written them off because he's got a distorted perspective. Pride has done that to him. And I'll, I'll tell you something else, and this is probably the worst distortion of it all. His worst distortion is he, he has a twisted perspective about the purpose of the banquet. Question. Who's the VIP in the banquet? Who's the, who's the most honored person in the banquet? It's not the younger brother. It's not. This is where we need the other two parables to, to help round out the meaning here, what Jesus is trying to communicate. In the first parable, the parable of the lost sheep, in verse 6, the shepherd says, he gathers his friends and says, you know, I want to have a party. I want to celebrate what I found. And then, 
In the second parable, God, as the woman says, I'm gathering my friends. The coin is not the VIP. The woman gathers the friends and says, I want, you, I want to celebrate what I have found. And so here, in this parable, it's not the son that's the, that's the person of honor. It's the father. The father is the one who is to be celebrated for what the father has done. The father has found the son. The father has restored the son. The father has brought him in. So when these, these banquet guests come in, uh, they're going to slap the, the boy on the back and say, glad you're home. But they're not going to be embarrassing him by asking any sordid details. Well, what was sin city like? Anyway, that's not going to happen. On the other hand, many congratulatory words are going to be made to the father for what the father did to bring the son home. And that older brother just misses it all because he thinks it's about something else other than the father. But it's always about the father, isn't it? It's always. And that's why the elder brother has been living in the distant country even though he's never stepped foot outside his dad's property. Is that possible? Is it possible to be so far from God even when you show up in church each Lord's Day? (laughs) One author said this, I wonder which does more damage, lust or resentment? There's so much resentment among the just and the righteous. There's so much judgment and condemnation and prejudice among the saints. There's so much frozen anger among the people who are so concerned about avoiding sin. And if you haven't figured it out, your pastor is a recovering elder brother. And I have to tell you, I'm embarrassed to confess that there are times when I feel like that older brother before the, before the homecoming, you know? I mean, my younger prodigals, they're not even on my radar. They're not even on my radar. And you know why? Well, because I got a sermon to finish. That's why. <laughs> I got a church to lead. That's why. I got staff meetings to preside over. That's why. You know? And, and, and I'm totally ignorant of, of the fact that, you know, the Father is there standing by the window waiting for the younger prodigals to come home. And me, you know, I just... I just think, well, they're going to get theirs just like I'm going to get mine if I keep working. Wow. And what Jesus is saying to me In this parable right here, he's saying, Randy, the prodigals are not the other people. I'll tell you what else he's saying to me. He's saying, Randy, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. Now what? Now what? I am stuck. I am out there in the field 
an ice storm of pride has frozen me, how, how can I escape? Well, I can't. I can't. But thank God that God went out into the field. Right? Isn't that what happened? Verse 28. But the father went out and pleaded with him. This is the second time the fathers had to come out. Because both boys were in the field. One in the field of rebelliousness. The other in the field of religion. In verse 31 after the, after the venting session, the father responds, he, he, his first words out of his mouth, first words out of his mouth, my son, literally, literally, my child. He calls his adult son a child. Child. You, you know, you're, you're always with me. Huh? What, what, what makes you think you don't have all of me? What don't you have that you want? What? Where's this going, son? Where's this going? I mean, are you, are you saying that the thing that would make you most happy is not a, a, a feast of fatted calf in my presence, but a TV dinner of goat with your friends in my absence? Is that what you're saying? Your, your brother is not getting your robe or your ring or your shoes. Your brother is getting my robe my ring. My, I'm not giving your brother anything that belongs to you. I'm giving him what belongs to me. And just so God gives one of his children something doesn't mean that it's going to be less for everybody else. Don't you know how much God has? I mean, there is not enough of me to take in all that God is and has. I'm a thimble and he's the Pacific. That's the deal. And you know why God wants us to celebrate when lost people come home? You know why? Because he celebrates, that's why. And that's the only reason we need. We had to celebrate and be glad, the father says. And then he says this, because not this son of mine, he says, but because this brother of yours. See, my son is your brother. And he was dead and he's alive. He's lost and he's found. It's not about the money, it's about life. A lost life has been found. Luke 15, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And here's the question. Did the elder brother come home? What's the parable say? Don't know. Jesus stops. But does he come home or not? And it's at this point that Christ turns the table on his audience And now they realize, this audience of younger brothers and elder brothers, they realize he's talking to them. And Christ lovingly says, I'm inviting you to my table. But that table is not in honor of you or your brother, but my life for both of you. And when I sit and eat with sinners, it's not them that I'm honoring. It's not them that we're honoring. It's me. It's my life. It's my costly love that is now offered to you and for you. That's what's being offered. And then Jesus says this, and he says this lovingly, and he says this firmly. He says, listen, if I do not sit and eat with sinners, then I cannot sit and eat with you. 
You see, the gospel is not religion or irreligion. It's not morality or immorality. It's not moralism or relativism. It's not conservatism or liberalism. The gospel says that all are wrong, all are lost, and all are loved. And so he pleads with me. He pleads with me to enjoy what he enjoys. And do you know what it is that God enjoys? God enjoys forgiving people who come home. That's what he enjoys. Uh, a Christian philosopher, Peter Kreeft, puts it this way. God laughs over forgiven sin. He laughs over forgiven sin. He enjoys forgiving people who come home. So who are you in this parable? Who are you? Any younger brothers here in the parable, you know, steeped in rebellion? Is that your story? Would you please listen to Jonah chapter 2 verse 8? Jonah chapter 2 verse 8 says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Come home. Put away the idols. There's a feast waiting for you. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're an older brother steeped not in rebellion but just in, in religious perfectionism. And to every elder brother and sister in this church, God wants you to be as happy over the return of your lost family as he was when you came home. And those whom God the Father accepts as children, he insists that we accept as brothers and sisters. See, But hear me on this one. The point of the parable is not for us to gather here and celebrate uh, how different we are. You know? Oh, some of us are younger brothers and some of us are elders. That's not the point of the parable. Actually, the point of the parable is to challenge us to become like the third brother in the parable. The third brother, yeah. Actually, he's not in the parable. Actually, he's the one telling the parable. Jesus Christ is the true elder brother. He's, he's the one who went out to the distant country. Um, by the way, Don never found his brother. All, all he came back home with was, was just an old tattered pilot's vest. I am so grateful that our elder brother was more successful. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and planted us in to his kingdom. Jesus is the true elder brother. He's friends with rebels, but he's not one. He's friends with the religious, but he's not one. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who went to the distant country, who left heaven to come to earth, and in his death, burial, and resurrection, he is how God the Father runs to us. 
He is how God the Father embraces us and kisses us and blesses us and robes us. And the meal that we share each week called communion is a memorial meal and it's not about us. We're not the most important person around the table. Jesus is and it's a reminder of what Christ has done and it is a reminder of what is to come because in the new heavens and the new earth, Christ promises that we will share in the wedding feast of the Lamb And in that feast, he will be the one serving us. I can't wait to go to heaven. How about you?